Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Conf T with URSC. I am your host, Brian Young. As always, I'm joined by my co-host there, Mr. Tom Porto. How are you, sir? Brian, I'm very well. How are you, man? Hey, you know what? I can't complain. It's Friday. It's been uh, it's been a hot week up here. We had a little our first heat wave that was supposed to be three days, and now it's five days. And but the humidity and heat has finally gone, and uh, I can enjoy the pool now. That the the nice part about the heat wave was that it warmed up my pool because when we went in on Saturday, it hurt. It was it was it was really cold. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm thankful for that. I guess. <laughs> Did you have to like shove Some, a bunch of people over at the Walmart to get chlorine for your pool? Because I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm sure that didn't bode very well for them. Uh, no, I uh, mm, I still yeah. have chlorine left over from last year. Um, so oh, you I lucky. was able to hold on to that. God. I well, see, I wasn't lucky when I opened up the container of of uh, of the chlorine tablets that I had left outside all year. And of course, water got into it, and with the change in temperature, mm-hmm. they're all individually wrapped um, uh, tablets. But some of them on the bottom, the the plastic had, had gotten really brittle and everything. So when I opened it up, I got hit with you know you know that chlorine like you know hits you in your face and it's it's like hard. The first in you know, breath was like whoa. The second one was oh my god, and the third one was I have to get out of here. I'm outside. And I'm probably a foot or two away from it, like, you know, arm's reach. And I almost passed out. It was so strong. I've never, <laughs> like, I was scared. I was like, what just happened right now? Your face and, started uh, melting like that scene in Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, it, pretty pretty much. Like, if I had stayed there for a second, I think that's probably what would have happened. But it's still working. My chlorine levels are, are you know, are adequate. So, hey, if it still works with the uh, the price that it, that it is today, I, uh, I don't need to buy any more. So... Uh, with that, someone who's probably no stranger to crazy uh, weather and temperature and, and humidity and heat, Mr. Simon Donahue, our guest today. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing all right. Doing all right. We're uh, we're glad to have you on the show. You said you know, you're from Austin. You said right. Um, I've I've lived all over the place, but Austin is the the most the most recent move that I made almost two years ago now. But yeah, nice. probably half my life in different cities in texas yeah so definitely used to it yeah and we were, we were just talking before we hit record on the uh the crazy winter you guys were having with oh, yeah. uh, some ridiculously low temperatures and of course time and are like that's a saturday for us <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yep. yeah I'm, I'm hoping everything worked out through that process and of course all, any of our listeners in the area hoping you guys are okay because that was uh that was rough that was definitely rough but we did not bring you on to talk about the weather or climate or anything along those lines. In fact, today we're going to be talking about Thousand Eyes. Uh, we actually got a request in from a longtime listener who jumped on our YouTube channel, which if you haven't gone already and subscribed, please go check it out. Link is in the show notes. Um, Bob Harper had reached out and left a comment on one of our videos asking some really great questions. And one of the ideas that he had that we should cover is around an up update to Thousand Eyes, as well as specifically, what does the Catalyst Thousand Eyes license give you? So we reached out to Simon, who said he was more than willing to, to chat with us and, and with you guys about Thousand Eyes. Uh, if you remember, if you listened to the episode, which was episode 34, our intro to Thousand Eyes, we did it right when the announcement came out. We weren't really sure where things were going to go. In fact, we didn't really have access to any 
technical resources that we could bring on the show, like Simon here. Uh, so what we had done was we had you know talked to someone who was a Cisco employee that had used Thousand Eyes, so we got it from the user perspective, which was great. But now I think this gives us a great opportunity to not only dive, uh, dive a little bit deeper into what Thousand Eyes is, how it works, but also now that we've you know it, it's been integrated into Cisco, both from a company standpoint and now from a product standpoint, we can kind of uh, uh, peel back those layers and understand a bit more. So. Simon, uh, with that, let's kind of just, for anyone who hasn't listened or maybe didn't want a little bit of a refresher, let's kind of just uh, st- talk about um, what Thousand Eyes is, how it works, and I'm wearing my, if you're on YouTube, you see this, wearing my uh, Go Ahead <laughs> nice. and Blame the Network shirt. Yeah. So, and I, I didn't even mean to do that. I, I realized before we got on there, I'm like, hey, I got my Thousand Eyes shirt on. This is great. Yeah, so well, with that, Simon, take take it away. I'll stop yeah, talking well, for a minute. Uh, well, so first of all, I'll, sh- I'll shout out that if anybody wants one of those shirts, we do give them out for free. So if you go to thousandeyes.com slash t-shirt, one word, you can order your, your own. No charge. So um, wow, don't, don't abuse it, obviously. But one your shirt per customer, please. Yeah. All you right. might be able to get right, away with good. two. Um, yeah. Right. So, so Thousand Eyes is... Um, uh, it, it fits into a category that is now being defined as digital experience monitoring. So whenever you, you Google Thousand Eyes, that's what, what it's going to say it is. And uh, that, that's also not a, um, not a common term. So a lot of people will come to us and you know we, we monitor networks, we monitor um, somewhat application side, uh, side things as well. Um, but the idea is that there's a ton of stuff that is outside of your grasp, is outside of your network, is you know you rely on SaaS applications or cloud services, um, and all of these things you are still responsible for, right? So you're delivering an application, but you might rely on AWS or you might rely on something on the Cisco side of things or whatever the case might be. So the whole culmination of this experience is what we would call digital experience. How is some individual or even I guess a, a machine or a device experiencing? Testing to somewhere else, the you know whether it's a network or an application issue, just bringing everything together. So um, that's what we call ourselves. Now, what that means is we do uh, try to determine, uh, you know, is there their network problems, are there application problems, and pointing in the right direction. And sometimes that does mean we can help pinpoint issues on, you know, if there's a network issue or if there is an application issue. But it's kind of bringing all this together. What what does all of these different pieces mean to whatever your offering is? So within the platform, you might run a test to um, you know a, a website that you host, your homepage, but you might also run tests to things you rely on in AWS when it comes to your own applications, right? So kind of kind of bridging the gap, I guess, as to whether or not things are, are network or application uh, problems. And to to the point of your shirt, blaming the network is is something we we encourage because if uh, if that is the case, we can help identify that as a as a problem, and if not, then we can kind of prove innocence and um, relieve some of the the network teams and the knocks and those folks out there who deal with this stuff all the time. So I'm sure we're all familiar. Whoever's listening to this, <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, um, yeah, and and that's just the thing, right? Because the network is usually the first thing that's blamed. I mean, my my wife still does it, right? When uh, when Facebook is loading a little <laughs> slow or. Yesterday yeah. we were we were playing Animal Crossing and all of a sudden we got we got kicked off and it was the first time that ever happened and you know you know my my uh, my mother in law is like oh it's it's got to be your internet and I'm like it's not the internet but there's a million pieces a million points of failure between my Nintendo Switch 
and your Nintendo Switch yep. that could be causing this issue. So uh, let's just exactly. uh, take a step back here and, and and try to investigate it. But the network is commonly blamed, and being able to really, as you said, I, I like the way you phrased it, prove innocence has been a very difficult thing for Knox and, and IT teams alike to do because you know, well, where do you start? Can I ping it? Can I do a DNS lookup? What about an HTTP 200 request? Is, is it a, you know, where is, are there packets being dropped? Is it a performance issue on the application side? And trying to figure out, you know, it's not the network so you can focus on the uh, the application side. That's, that's, that's where, that that's where Thousand Eyes shines. So you talked about yeah, kind of you what it. we're, we're looking at. How do, how do we find that information? What are, what are we looking at to be able to very quickly give the the Thousand Eyes users that information? Yeah, good good question. So um, Thousand Eyes is a a synthetic monitoring tool. So we we don't look at like ongoing traffic through packet captures. We don't look at NetFlow or any anything like that. Everything we do is synthetic, and okay. we use agents. Um, there's a couple different types of agents. So I'll run through real quick. Um, the ones I would say we're probably known for are called cloud agents. So these live in um, the tier two and three ISPs, data centers, and um, just cities all over the world. I think there's close to a couple hundred of them. Um, we also have them in some of the broadband ISP providers in North America. So Comcast, CenturyLink, uh, Cox, Charter, um, these places, and, and some of the bigger metros that they operate out of. So it's like you know Dallas, LA, um, the places like that. And they also have presence in, or we have presence in, um, the cloud providers, so AWS, Google Cloud, um, Alibaba, and um, uh, Azure. And the, um, the, the way that all these agents are going to work is they're going to generate traffic. They're going to make requests. They have their own web browser. They can open up websites. So they're, they're really meant to mimic a user from their spot. Now, what that also means, though, is you can kind of, um, you can kind of pick and choose based on uh, like the, whatever you're trying to monitor, do I do I really need to see a response from some web server, or do I just need to see how my traffic from this location can get to the edge of my data center, for example? So that's meant to give you like this external perspective, and it's able to run a bunch of different types of tests depending on what you're trying to to look for to to bring you that visibility, to bring you you know the the digital experience aspect of of whatever you're trying to monitor. Um, the the second type of agent is able to run the same types of tests as the cloud agent, but it's deplor de deployable in your own network. So on a, on a VM or um, you know a, a server, a Linux-based application. So you know you can spin it up on CentOS or you know one of the Amazon Linux flavors um, in, in the cloud or, or on your own on-prem. Um, and that might also lead into also now deployable on Cisco devices, which is the, one of the bigger initiatives lately. Um, you know, how many of these devices can we actually get an agent embedded on natively so that whenever you need to run tests, you know, it, it's already kind of there for you. Um, so those two types of agents are, I would say, what we're really known for. Now, within the last year with the pandemic and people working from home and everybody kind of migrating out of the office, the endpoint agent is the third type of agent. So this one will live on uh, Mac and Windows devices. So your, your laptops, pretty much. Um, they are looking and exploring some other uh, uh, devices they can live on now that we, we're kind of realizing, you know, that that's not the only way people work from home. There's a lot of other things going on. Um, I'm not going to comment too much on that quite yet, but uh, that is the direction we're, we're getting into. And however, across the board, all these types of agents, it's, it's all synthetic. So we're... Really, what we're doing is we are generating traffic from that point. We're sending it to a destination you give us. 
whether it's some application, a web server, um, just a, an IP address where you're trying to hit like the, the edge of your data center like we were talking about earlier. And then built on top of that, depending on the type of test you're doing, it can do a little bit of, uh, of extra um, uh, testing, I guess you could say. So a lot of people think of us as network monitoring, which we are. But in addition to that, can we break down um, do we do we get a, a good response back from a web server? So, like you said earlier, do we get a 200 OK back or not? If not, you know, wh- why did we not get that back? Um, did DNS not manage to resolve the host name? Did I time out during connection and you know my certificate's not valid anymore? It expired. Whatever the case might be, essentially a curl. If anybody's familiar with with using a curl mm-hmm. for a domain, right? Um, it, it, I would say it's it's right. literally what we're doing. And then we're just kind of making it easy to decipher. But the the whole idea of doing this synthetically is one, we're, we're mimicking users, and then two, um, we're doing this, you know, every one minute, two minutes of the day, twenty four seven, three sixty five. So you can go back to any point in time and say, you know, when this agent was behaving this way and I was having a problem, do I see that reflected in the test? And as a quick example, if you're if you're doing a curl, and let's say you you time out, and we say, you know, you timed out while we connected to google.com. Can I then go back to the network traffic I generated and sent to Google and I see my ISP had 100% packet loss for 10 minutes or something like that. And then I've effectively went from Google is down to some hop in my ISP is having a problem. I need to call them instead. And that it, at a glance, it probably takes like a minute or two once you're familiar with the platform to get to that conclusion. So that was that's kind of a high level um, I would say what we're really doing, but but yeah, everything is synthetic. Um, it, it's and with that point being said, um, I, I believe that was somewhat intentional because now you can put these agents into places where um, people might be concerned. You know, you're you're monitoring my traffic, and that's not so much the case anymore. It's more so we're we're just acting as a user in your network, as everybody else would be doing too. Right, and it it, it definitely kind of brings down. The controls, right? It's if you're anytime you're doing any type of an experiment, you have to have very tight controls. And in this case here, if we're going to run those tests every minute or so, as as you mentioned, being able to have that control and that understanding of okay, this is this is my my level playing field. This is how it normally operates when I make a curl request or when I go through that that synthetic test, and I'm very easily exactly. able to pick up on anomalies. And you know, it's a lot it's a lot better to be able to look at this dashboard and, and see that information right there versus, okay, now you're going ahead and, and you're trying to troubleshoot an issue yourself. You can run through all those same tests, you know, after the fact, but if you don't have that other data beforehand to compare it to, you may not know there's a problem. You may not see a difference. Be like, Oh, you know, it's, it's 120 millisecond uh, response time. You know, I, I guess that's okay, but something like thousand eyes be like, well, normally it's only 10. So right. you know, there's yep. some congestion here. There's some rerouting here. Uh, let's let's kind of take that information in, in, into um, into account. Um, now, regards to the tests, is is it possible? So, are these like pre-canned tests? Are is there is it possible for a user to kind of generate their their own kind of interaction with the website? Like going ahead and actually, besides just going there and just reloading that homepage, like can I click on a link? Can I interact with it? Can I? Uh, type something into a search box, stuff like that. Yep. No. Yes. So since um, the the cloud and enterprise agents do have the option to include a Chromium browser, so they can literally open up a website just like we do, and that means, um, or at least that enabled us to also do synthetic transactions. 
So we can do Selenium-based transactions, you know, log into O365, browse over to SharePoint, open up a, a page, download some file. Um, we can break out each of those steps too. So you can say, you know, somebody might be complaining that something is slow, which is super generic. And if you're running a <laughs> test to that application and you see, you know, maybe maybe logging in is slow, but once you get inside the application, it's completely fine or vice versa, right? We can break out right. all those steps and say, you know, from the, the baseline, kind of what you were talking about, typically logging in takes, you know, maybe a second or two. And if that ever deviates, you can then be alerted and says, you know, hey, maybe, you know, that's a result of Active Directory being slow in the back end or something like that. And then again, right. um, like we talked about earlier, we're not just opening up the website, we're doing a bunch of other checks in parallel with one another. So if you're seeing, you know, maybe, maybe you did log in and, and that had a timeout or you failed to load the website, can I go back and say, well, my traffic I generated at the same exact time is also having some kind of performance issues along the way. Um, and exactly to your point, I can go to that time frame and actually check that in, in I guess, in retrospect. Because um, like you were saying earlier, if there's an issue, very often you're going to be asked to provide things that you could only get if you were in that moment and actually doing it as as you know as the issue is ongoing, which is kind of our whole. I, I would say why we would we exist here because we're we're doing these actions every you know minute or two minutes or five minutes or whatever, and really a lot of what we're doing is using pretty common networking tools that you would you would probably use on your own, but making it extremely easy and nice to consume and, and kind of comparing all these different data points together. Um, so that was kind of an elaboration on a, on, um, on, on the question, but but yeah, we, we can do exactly that. We, we are meant to mimic users. Um, and, and one other thing I wanted to touch on, because you made it, uh, I love the fact that you made the, uh, the control experiment example, because I use that all the time. Um, all these different agents are kind of giving you that uh, control variable in your experiment. Like, let's say that you're you're testing from um, your own data center and your own branches to some SaaS application that you use, but maybe you're also running the same test from one of our cloud agents out in some cities where you know just just as like an external point of view. If one of those locations ends up having a problem, or if multiple locations ends up showing that it has a problem, you can compare all these points together. So like, let's say one of your data centers and one of your branches has an issue, but you don't see that same issue from a cloud agent of ours. Now you kind of know I should probably focus on maybe my ISP at, that, at those sites or something like that. So that's, uh, it, there's a lot of context you can derive out of um, not even necessarily pinpointing a problem with us, even though we're, we're very good at that. But just you know, being able to say these locations don't see the same experience at the same exact time going to the same exact place, right? the same exact test, essentially. So it, it helps a lot in that sense. Right. It, it definitely helps narrow things down in that example, as well as the one you gave about logging into a particular website, right? Where the login may take a little bit longer, but once you're in, you're, you're moving right along. You know, obviously, Thousand Eyes is not going to tell you, hey, there's probably an issue with the Active Directory backend, but you can infer ba based on, you know, what's yeah. going on here. Like, hey, this is normal. This is not bring it to the application team, bring it to the, um, you know, to the, to the server team and be like, Hey, um, we're noticing some very, you know, some outliers here, you know, it's not networking related because once they're in everything, everything's working fine. We are seeing some excessive delays and even in some cases timeouts during this step, you know, maybe you guys should look into this stuff. So, exactly. you know, I, yeah. I, I think it's great. Yeah. I think and, it's great. Time, point, you actually, oh, good. Oh, that 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 whole scenario actually happened not too long ago. Um, 
we, we um, Active Directory ended up having a problem, and it was software related. But what that meant is when you went to the the login portal, which I login.microsoftonline.com, you got there no problem. So people kept coming to us on that day and saying, "Hey, Active Directory is down. Why aren't you guys actually notifying us? You, you have to actually log in to see the issue. So you can you know get to the website, and then once you push enter and log in, it fails. So yeah, doing doing synthetics and kind of uh, again our our whole I would say uh, purpose is being able to break that down and that the literally the scenario you just laid out was it probably happened maybe like two months ago now. So yeah, very, very useful to have that kind of, that kind of information. Now, uh, and sorry, Tom, yeah. I was, I was going to hand it over to you to ask a question, but I just remembered something. God, I'm curious. I'm sorry. Me, I'm sorry. I, I'll, I'll let you go next. I promise. Um, so when it comes to creating these kind of synthetic interactions, is it a lot of coding? Is there is there a certain language you need to know? Like how how difficult is this? So it's um it's a loaded question. If I'm being honest, <laughs> we so we we do have a uh, a recorder that can help you generate a script. It's um it's JavaScript based. It's using Selenium WebDriver, and our recorder, as anybody familiar in the space, has probably used one of these recorders. Um, open up this recorder, has a browser in it, you do some actions in the browser, it spits out a script, and then you can go from there. So if it's not a super complex website, it's, it's going to work perfectly fine. If you need to do things more in depth, you can utilize us. Um, you can utilize JavaScript at that point. If you need to do some like super fancy stuff and do like an API call to grab some data, use that in the, in the browser, um, th th there's a lot of different things we can do. So... Uh, with that being said, when it comes to some of the more common SaaS applications, pretty good chance we've already built stuff for them. Um, and in particular, if you Google our, our Thousand Eyes GitHub repo, <coughs> there will be example scripts in there for things like O365 and Salesforce and showing you how functions work. Those things are just up for grabs. So if, if people want to use those, we can help them set it up during a POC. If they have something more in depth, um, by all means, they're more than welcome to tackle it and we can help them with that. But we, we do have like uh, uh, pro services teams and things that can help build very custom scripts. Um, and as people might have inferred by now, um, since we are using JavaScript, you can do like some some logical you know calculations or whatever you might need to do in addition to just clicking around in a website. If you need to input something or generate something, um, or, you know we have, we have like functions to generate one time passwords for multi factor authentication. So if you need to you know grab something to do that. All these things are still possible since we we do rely on JavaScript as well. So it's um it's it's quite powerful, and it, it may or may not need some extra work. It just kind of depends on on how deep you guys want to get into a use case. You know, do I do I just need to log in, and that's great? Do I do I want to go and download a file? Do I want to you know create some record or, or do a search or something like that? Do all that too? Which might take a little bit of work, but it, it really shouldn't be too hard. Nice, pretty powerful stuff. Tom, the floor is yours. Hey, thanks, Brian. <laughs> no, man. Um, so actually, I wanted to touch on a point that, that you had made earlier about, um, you know, like, is it Active Directory? Is it, you know, being able to have some insight into, um, you know, wh where the issue really is lying. And I thought this was a really cool acquisition for Cisco because it made Thousand Eyes coming to Cisco made their product immediately better. And then made our existing product, App Dynamics, immediately better by the two being able to tell an end-to-end -end story that I don't really think anyone else can tell, right? I mean, you now have 
you know, if you if you deploy both of those stacks, you have visibility throughout your entire application, as well as outside of your application, whether it's synthetically, you know, simulating a user connecting to your website from, you know, all these different cloud locations and all these internal enterprise, uh, you know, uh, agents that you can utilize, uh, or even just the endpoint, um, the endpoint agents uh, interacting with with that stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's, 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 Coming at from a person who used to work for a customer who had a, a very massive application that was very uh, latency sensitive, let's say, um, you know, you inject a couple extra milliseconds of latency, it fell on its face. So, um, you know, being able to pinpoint, you know, with with either of these applications, like saying, oh, look, yeah, it's it's the Internet in this case or no, it's the back. It's this back end SQL database. That's a that's a pretty awesome story. Um the other thing I wanted to touch on, uh, you know, we, I know we kind of glossed over this, but I think it's really important, especially, you know, with everything that's gone on with the shift in remote work was the end was what really the endpoint agent can really provide. And one of the other things I was going to ask Simon is, are there other things other than just kind of the synthetic tests that the, that, that agent is doing? Are there other metrics that, that it's pulling, um, like anything related to even the end user's machine at the time of a test, right? Like, are there any other metrics we're pulling there that might say, oh, well, your Wi-Fi signal was really, you know, degraded at this time, which is why you might be experiencing latency, or maybe your memory was spiked. Is there anything like that? Additional? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the the endpoint agent is um, it's a little bit different from the, the cloud and enterprise agents in terms of functionality. Um, at its core, it still is is doing synthetic testing, right? So it's it's able to run some tests in the background on your machine, um, just like we were talking about earlier. They're they're a bit more lightweight, so they're not going to like. Um, go out and uh, you know open up your own browser and, and like go to a website for you or anything like that. But it can check and see availability of a of a server. Do I get a, a 200 response or something else? Am I seeing packet loss in my ISP or in the provider's network? And then to your point, including some context about your local home network connections too. So, um, for example, in the, uh, the the trace route type path that we would show, it would have an element in there for your Wi-Fi connection. What does your signal strength look like? Are you on the, the 2.4 or the 5G radio? What channel are you on? Um, it'll also show you going through your own router in your home. So just going through your, your 192.168.1.1 or whatever it happens to be, showing you that element as well, identifying that as your router. And then with that, you would be able to make a determination. Am I seeing some issue on my, my Wi-Fi signal strength at the same time I'm seeing some kind of problem? Now, in addition to that, Inherently, that agent is also going to test out to um, what, what I like to say, everything you need to use the internet in your home. Mm-hmm. So am I connected to Wi-Fi? Can I ping my gateway? Am I seeing like no responses come back from my, my router or high amounts of latency? Um, uh, pinging my DNS server, checking resolution time on my DNS server even. Um, if I'm on a VPN, that could get automatically detected on a, on a couple different um, clients, including AnyConnect, of course. So automatically checking, are you on the VPN or not? What does my loss and latency look like connecting to the VPN gateway? All this stuff happens every five minutes. Um, CPU and memory is included in there too. So a little bit of hardware level, um, nothing quite so far into actual processes on there. But if you're able to see that somebody has 100% CPU usage and they're complaining, I don't really need to go check what it is. I need to tell them you need to you know, close, you know, go, go figure it out or show me your task manager or something. But at that point, it's, it's a lot more clear that, you know, where am I, where am I looking for a problem? Um, 
So again, all, all this stuff happens every five minutes, just inherently with those agents. And the cool part about it is we make it easy to go from, I'm having a problem with a test I'm running to, uh, we'll just use the O365 example again. Oh, by the way, at the same time, my signal strength is extremely poor. And I'm seeing you know, some packet loss pinging my gateway because of that fact. I see that packet loss reflected in my test to O365. I see no issues in my ISP or in Microsoft's network along the way. I've effectively isolated the issue to I need to move closer to my my Wi-Fi or change the channel or you know go to the, the 2.4G radio instead. And the other nice thing about this is you can you can see when all this happens since it, it happens every five minutes. So you're not going to have to just take anybody's word for it. You can actually go there and verify they they took these suggestions, they moved closer. You know the the signal looks better, whatever the case might be. So. Um, I also like to call that like your first line of defense because when it comes to local network issues, and this is something I've had a lot of experience working on in a, in a couple past jobs, um, I think the, the the studies that we had done at, at that company said something like uh, polling ISPs 80% of the time, their issues are from their home network and their Wi-Fi almost every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to actually see that helps so much. Uh, and in fact, the reason I joined Thousand Eyes is because I was working in that space, and I was like, "Man, I wish I was able to use this tool." So I, <laughs> I, I applied. Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I've had a few customers, you know, since you know, since everyone shifted to, hey, there's a very real possibility like eighty percent of our workforce is not going to come back to the office, yeah. and the, it scares the crap out of IT teams because they're thinking. How, how am I gonna How am I gonna keep track of all this? You know, if someone's having a Wi-Fi issue at their house, you, and you know some of those types of users. I mean, it, it's it's hard to troubleshoot with them. So being yeah. able to have some tangible evidence that hey, man, this is um, you know definitely a Wi-Fi issue, or hey, your CPU's been spiked for the last three hours. You know yep. that this is why it's extremely powerful for uh, you know for for first level IT teams. One question I had you mentioned about the the VPN stuff. If I recall with certain VPNs, I know AnyConnect is one of them. We're actually able to see the underlay network as well, correct? So you're yep. able to see all the hops that are taking kind of underneath the sheets there. Yeah. It it'll I I believe it'll depend a little bit on on like VPN configuration and whatnot, but yeah, we can we can isolate out the underlay and the overlay. Um there's actually like a toggle on the path where you could say show me underlay, show me overlay and you can just kind of flip a switch and, and oh, see either one. That's cool. Yeah. What about, so do we doing anything similar like within the SD-WAN space? Are we able to see underlay networks there yet? Or is that something we're hoping for so, soon? <laughs> that, good question. Um, that's actually, uh, I, I would say what a lot of people come to us to do even prior to the acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something we're known for doing is SD-WAN monitoring. Awesome. So whenever you you go get an SD-WAN solution, they have their own monitoring tools as you would, you would hope they do. Um, but from what I've been uh, seeing and told, it's almost exclusively overlay visibility. Mm-hmm. And where we come into play is we can we can be a little bit creative with how we uh, set up tests to visualize both overlay and underlay without even being integrated into SD-WAN solutions at all. We're, we're entirely agnostic when it comes to that. So um, and we can we could get into the weeds with this, but uh, essentially we try to identify um, the, what ISPs you're using at different sites, paths that they're taking, and since we generate traffic ourselves, we can say, let's force our traffic to take this underlay path. If we just target something on, on, the, on the public side of the, the internet here, some public facing interface, and let's also target something, you know, may, maybe, that, maybe that targets like the edge of a data center. We want to mm-hmm. go all the way up to the front door of a data center and say, this is what performance looks like using this ISP. Also take the same agent and test something through SD-WAN in the data center. 
and there's your overlay visibility. And right. if you're seeing issues with both of those tests at the same time, you can kind of make a determination of, you know, was it this ISP? Was it this hop? Was it, you know, my own router? Was it something outside of my network? So hopefully that made sense. It's a little hard to, uh, to explain, but, yeah. um, you know, if anybody's ever interested in this stuff, it absolutely can be, can be demoed. We have some really nice SD-WAN demos. Um, now, the one other thing I'll touch on, and this might be what you were getting at, is we are uh, working on getting the enterprise agent embedded in more than just uh, right now, which is the, the Catalyst 9000 series of switches. The next two things in line are the SD-WAN uh, uh, devices from Cisco and the Nexus uh, devices as well. So those two, they were announced recently, I believe. But um, the, the thought is that if we can get integrated just directly into those devices, it's going to make all of that, what I just talked about, so much easier, especially for the, the Cisco offerings. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I've, recently, I've recently been working with a few customers on you know, POCs with Thousand Eyes. And the one thing I have to admit, <laughs> it's a little confusing. And, and I think part of the, the hope with this, with this podcast was to clear some of this up is how... <laughs> How how do we you know how do we license Thousand Eyes? How, how you know how do how are those transactions? Uh, you know how do we how do we account for all those transactions and and how right. do we go ahead? <laughs> so yeah no um so it's um it, it's it's based on the the DNA licenses right? So if you if you have um I believe it's Premier and what is the do you guys Advantage. know the name of the other? Advantage? Okay, sorry, I'm still I'm still learning all this stuff too. Um, <laughs> if you if you have one of those licenses for and you have a Cat nine thousand switch, each of those switches would be offered the equivalent of one HTTP server test from the agent on that device. Now this is where there's confusion. That means you can run the test from that device, right? And an HTTP server test is going to do a number of different things. It's going to do the curl that we talked about earlier, and it's going to tell you things like I, I got a 200 OK, I got a 403, um, I, I timed out during my DNS resolution, I my certificate was expired, what, whatever the case might be that would have caused that to fail. You'll see which which step it failed on, mm-hmm. and then you can look at things like response times and, and throughput and stuff like that. Um, it'll also do the network testing we talked about. So whenever these tests are running, um, each time they run, so in this case, it would be every five minutes, the agent will send out 50 TCP or ICMP packets to a destination. So to a, to a Google.com or a web server, an IP address, whatever it might be. Um, and then it'll, it'll do the path generation that everybody likes to, to, to look at. They always think that's pretty cool. Um, hop by hop, how many different paths we can discover. It'll do um, three traces by default. So it'll show you, did we go through a load balancer and we you know, split off in two different directions potentially or whatever the case might be. And then it'll do um, BGP visibility as well. So it'll take your target you gave the test and say, what was the prefix of this target? And then we have data that we ingest from RIPE and route views, um, those research groups, and we visualize their data, their, their, their information they give us back related to the prefix. All that stuff gets included in the one test. And that happens every five minutes. And you can run, again, one of those from each of the CAT 9000 switches you have included in, in that entitlement. Now, this is where it gets a little bit in, in the weeds. So that, that's probably pretty straightforward. Now, you don't have to run the test from the switch. Really, what you're getting with the entitlement is something we would call units. So Thousand Eyes operates on a consumption-based model, which means that you need to purchase units to run a test. And then depending on the basically the, the amount of uh, uh, lift the test has to do, it'll cost a different amount of units, right? If we need to open up our browser, that's going to cost a little bit more. Um, and it's related back to CPU time, if, if we really break it down. 
So the entitlement's really giving you units that you can use, which means that you could take an enterprise agent and put it on a VM or a server somewhere else in your network, and you still get to use the units you got from the entitlement. Mm-hmm. Now, you the, the units are really what is uh, the equivalent to the five-minute HTTP server test I talked about. So that's enough units to run that test. But if you wanted to just you know have have a, a, a an enterprise agent deployed elsewhere you can use your entitlement units and run the same test from that spot instead so that that's probably where a lot of the confusion lies you're really not just getting you're not you're not restricted to running the test on that switch you can run it from wherever you want because you're really just given the capacity to run that test mm-hmm. hopefully that makes sense it does yeah, it, it does. does and and if i recall the so the so that's for the enterprise agents but the Endpoint agents is just a fixed. That's just a fixed subscription yes, cost, right? Yep, no, yeah, that's a good point. So the the enterprise a, or enterprise agent and cloud agents operate on this consumption model. Endpoint agents are just license based, and um, they they do have a few limitations. So um, they are able to run up to ten tests in parallel at one time, um, but you're able to to do as much as you want with them. Test however often you'd like, whatever interval you want to. It's just the fixed license cost, and you can utilize them as, as much or as little as you want from that point. It's interesting you you mentioned that. It, it does, uh, I have to imagine, customers have asked this. Do you see, you know, if you're running 10 simultaneous tests, do you see any significant change in, <laughs> in resources on those machines? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a very common question. Um, it, it's pretty lightweight. So I believe the official numbers are around like 5 6 7% CPU utilization at, at peak. That's mm-hmm. about what I've seen too. Um, so it's it you really shouldn't notice a difference unless you're I would guess you're really like heavily utilizing your 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 CPU or something. Um, okay. But I mean these, these uh, we have over a million of them I think deployed out there. There's a couple of companies out there with like multiple tens of thousands. Um, it we I don't think we've gotten if we have gotten any complaints about uh, that at all. I, I haven't seen any. So I think it's it's pretty heavily vetted. Um, Every time, I, I don't think I've ever gotten any complaints around utilization, if any. So, hmm. yeah, it, it's it's fairly lightweight. Um, the other thing I'll comment on is the amount of traffic we generate for those tests is uh, a fifth of the other agents. So it's based on ten packets every time the test runs. So um, it, it's really should not be any more intensive than you guys just going to a website. I would say. <laughs> yeah. No. No Bitcoin mining here. No. <laughs> so, so when when we get one of those bundled licenses with a catalyst switch, just just to make sure I understand, because I was my my daughter had come down here. We're talking about work from home, right? My daughter had come down here to ask a question. Um, when we get one of those bundled licenses, that gives us basically a number of units, and that they don't necessarily have to be run on that switch, right? Or is that is that what I'm yes. getting from you? Okay, correct. Yeah, it's different from See, the endpoint you, piece, though. Correct. Yeah, and and points have nothing to do with the units whatsoever. It's they're like a, it's entirely owned separate product. I would say it has it has a license, okay. and you get the license. You can do whatever you like with it. Um, but but yeah, you, the entitlement will put units in your account, and then you can do whatever you want with the units. Um, we just call out that it's equivalent to running this test. And then if you wanted to run it from the agent embedded in the in the switch, which is the the new fancy thing we had to offer, just do it directly from there. It makes it easy. You don't have to deploy it elsewhere. But to, to your point, if you wanted to, you have the units to do so. Nice. No, that's that's really powerful stuff because, I mean, ha- having the ability to kind of move around where you want your tests to be coming from, run those tests from multiple locations, yeah. you know, at different parts of your network to see, 
you know, what's, what's the difference? We talked about having those, those controls, right? Um, that's a big part of that. It's one thing that's probably a good, a good point to bring up too, is, um, you're not, you're not like locked into a specific test. It's not like you make a test and you just have to keep that test. And that's what you purchased. You're you're purchasing the capacity. So if you want to, like you just said, turn off that test and turn it on somewhere else or, or switch, which agent is running it by all means, it, it, no, no matter to us, you get to do whatever you like with the capacity you're given. You're not locked into anything at all. Is there any kind of like calculator that is out there that can help you determine like how many credits are going to be taken up by a certain test so you can kind of plan yes. ahead? Yep. No, that's uh, another good point to bring up. Um, yeah, the, the, the unit thing tends to be a little bit scary, but it's, it's really not <laughs> as bad as it, as it seems. Um, so yeah, in, in the platform, there is a, a calculator exposed to anyone who you, who can log into it um, where it will break down one, all the things you currently have turned on and it'll tell you how many units that each of those tests cost. It'll also give you all the dials uh, there to, to modify, you know, if the, if the test runs at five minutes versus two minutes, or if um, it's running from five agents versus 10 agents, how does that change the cost? Um, so obviously the more places you test from, the more often you test from uh, the more it will end up costing, but you get to scope that out entirely without needing to actually deploy anything from the calculator. So nice. usually what will happen in our POCs, as you guys have probably seen, if anybody's been on them, um, you guys can go through the POC and build out whatever you like. And then you can go back and be like, you know, if I, if I kept this, what would it end up costing me? Or if I wanted to run this same type of testing from other parts of my network, I could just easily type in a number and say, I want to change the locations from know, two to 10. And now I know what that would look like to deploy to the rest of my network. So we can show you exactly what it would cost. Um, And really, that's the point. We want to give you the ability to only really purchase what you need and not just purchase like some canned package and you only need half of it, but you, you know, you have the other half lying around or something like that. And and you said the the best way, the best, sorry, Tom, uh, the best way to kind of figure that out would be to go through that POC and kind of build that out and then use that calculator to really determine, hey, this is how many units you're going to need if you want to do Yeah, exactly. This. It, it, just, it makes it a lot easier because then you, you get a gauge of what, what do I actually get out of this? Because um, you know, if, if, you, if you try to go that, through that first, and it does happen and it's understandable, um, but if, if you do try to go through that first, I would say it's, it, it's harder to really get a, a feel for what you're getting out of what you, you just said you could pay for. Um, it, to us, it's a lot better. We can actually demonstrate and you know put on a POC for a couple of weeks and you get a feel for what data and, and use cases and stuff that you care about. And then you go back to the calculator and you say, well, you know, maybe, maybe I want this, but I only need to test it every 10 minutes instead of two. Or maybe I want to do this, but I want to do it from you know, these other locations in addition to this one. It, it, it just helps a bit with kind of understanding what you get for what you're saying you're going to pay for rather than going in reverse. <laughs> I like it. Um, one last thing about this unit thing, just cause, uh, yeah. it's, <laughs> it is a little, confusing. <laughs> but so, you know, you have, you have your allotted units for the month. If you hit your limit, is there any overage that you can, you know, pay after the fact, or is it just a hard stop? How does that work? Uh, you, you get options. So there's two ways you can go about it. One is you can just put a hard limit on it. And then you will be warned, I believe, before you actually get there, once you're kind of getting to uh, capacity. Um, we are also warned. Your own account team would be warned too and you know, proactively reach out and be like, hey, is everything okay? Is this okay? Um, uh, one of the things I'll comment on real quick is typically when we go through this, we recommend purchasing a buffer of units so that you are not just 
locked into only what you purchase because anybody listening to this and us included, I'm sure knows like things happen, right? Like something's, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen where you probably want to have a test up and running and you might not have the test you need. So we tend to recommend like a 10% buffer on that so that you have that capacity to use on demand. Um, But um, yeah, to, to your point though, that could be just included and then you put a hard limit on that that number or you can turn off the the limitation and you could incur overages if you just wanted to go that route instead um there would be a, a premium charged on on the units but you have the option to do that if you if you want to go that route some people like it some people would rather just you know keep a buffer um yeah i'm thinking in addition like in- to that uh, it you can also just like you know if you if you know there's a project happening or something you could just reach out to us and say like hey i need extra units for from now on and you know we we can make that change yeah i'm thinking like there are cases maybe where customers have like a busier time of year where they may need double the units for two months out of the year you know and yeah we can do that that. no problem we have we have deals that do that as well we we know that happens or people foresee that i'm gonna have a project they just um seed in some units once you get to a certain part of the year and the the cost goes up or down cool great stuff great stuff um I, i i mean we've covered so much of, you know, and there's still a couple points here, but, you know, I, I really think that we, we really dove into parts that we need to. Um, I wanted to get your, your insights uh, and whatever knowledge you have on the, uh, what was it? The fastly outage. Um, if you had yeah. any inf- info on that, because I know there's a, there's a blog and a, or a vlog and it's a YouTube, YouTube, uh, actually I think it's a podcast too. There's an article that was posted on the Thousand Eyes website talking about the Fastly outage, which, of course, we'll link in the uh, in the show notes as well. But I don't know if, uh, Simon, if you had any comments on that. Yeah, let me, um, I have it here. Let me pull it up again. Um, yeah, because it really talked about kind of uh, the the Fastly's outage for those that weren't familiar. This happened uh, June 8th. So that was that was this week. Um, and it really brought down a lot of sites with it and just being a CDN, right? I guess this was actually, if I, if I remember correctly, this had to do with a, uh, customer that made a setting change and really kind of screwed some stuff up. <laughs> BGP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always BGP, isn't it? Yeah. So, so I, I, um, I know that we we did catch this, and I'm sure other customers caught it as well. But uh, I think you you kind of nailed it. it. It being a CDN, if it goes down and you guys rely on it, or whoever relies on it is going to be immediately impacted. Um, I I haven't looked too far into it quite yet, but I have it in front of me. Um, and basically, what we were doing to catch it is we had like a, a dummy application we set up um, using a couple different CDNs. So we were using uh, Cloudflare, Fastly. And um, this, uh, there's a, a third test called Origin. Um, I'm not sure if that's a CDN or not, to be honest. But um, we were running all these tests in parallel. And we, we had noticed at the same time we started getting reports that the Fastly test was failing. Um, and it, that, that alone made it very, very clear that you know, Cloudflare is not having a problem uh, delivering the service, but Fastly is. And then if you were to, to hop into that, um, you would be able to pretty easily see whether or not it was you know, something uh, as far as like a part of a, a network problem that was being run into or, um, or if it was like, you know, fastly itself, just not responding or, or whatever the case might be. Um, so I'm trying to, to pull it up here, see if I can go through it a little bit on the fly. Simon, that's something that like the internet insights 
module can help with too, right? To be able to yeah, yeah, investigate. No, good point. So that um that might be a, a better, more straightforward thing to talk about on, on the on the fly here without being able to share my screen. <laughs> yeah, um, no, that's fine. Yeah. So so what are the things we do in the back end with all this data that we collect? So you know we we have uh, I think it's like. 10 or 11 billion data points every day gathered or something like that from all of our customers now um, forever increasing. But uh, there's, a, there's a lot of information in there that you, I'm sure we could derive from. And, and one of those things is, can we help people understand where there's outages and how they're impacting them, which is what Internet Insights is meant to do. So on the, on the back end, we take all of our customers' data and it's anonymous. We it don't include anything that it would you know expose who is doing what or you know, like IPs that belong to you, um, all that stuff is only visible to yourself. But anything we see going across the public internet, where we are seeing, let's say, um, like, you know, NTT has an outage. And whenever you go to the test that you're running to whatever you guys care about, or that our customers care about, um, you would see in that test, hey, NTT has a, you know, this hop in the path that's, that's red, we're having packet loss there, um, I, I can't reach my destination, whatever that the case might be. If we see other customers running tests going through the same parts of that network at the same time, seeing the same issues, we have an algorithm that'll put this together and say, you know, NTT is having an issue. Um, we'll put an alert in your test saying, hey, by the way, you're, you know, you're seeing uh, connectivity timeouts or packet loss or latency or whatever the case might be. By the way, this is also part of an NTT problem. And now you know that I can kind of just focus on that right away. Um, and again, this would just be through like alerts or if you go into the platform, you would see it. So, so part of what that would mean for the Fastly outages, we have a lot of customers who I'm sure are using Fastly. They're all going to have problems at the same exact time. And then you're going to get an alert saying, hey, you can't reach this application. And from Internet Insights, you're going to be able to go and say, look, all these other places, part of this outage that from all the other customers, a thousand eyes are all having problems, specifically when they go to Fastly hosted sites something along those lines, right? So it, it takes out a lot of the guesswork. Um, you, people have been, I would say, as, as as time has gone on, more and more they're looking at internet insights, especially being at home. Um, there's there's so much outside of your reach now, right? Like I, I could be affected by a CenturyLink outage, as we probably all have been at one point, that I have nothing to do with, um, <laughs> right. right? Neither does my own ISP. They have nothing to do with it either, but they don't get a choice in the matter. Right. But you you sit at your your office or at your house or whatever, and you're like, well, what am I supposed to do about it? And you scramble and try to figure out, can I, can I do anything? Um, you talk to people, you call people, you're like, hey, are you seeing this? Or am I seeing this? My ISP doesn't know what's going on. It, it takes out so much of the time running around trying to figure out what's happening. And it's just going to tell you, you're not alone. By the way, there's a lot of other people included in this, and they're all having issues reaching this one specific destination. Or everybody is right. going through level three at some point. Or CenturyLink, and they're all seeing the same problem from across the world. Um, so all the um, all the big ISP outages and, and things like that—that's that, all stuff that we've caught. Um, CDNs, uh, UCAS providers, um, where we're starting to get into uh, application uh, specific monitoring too. When it comes to in- Internet Insights, so it'll just say, you know, this this application's having a problem, not so much like that this network is having a problem. So, um, but yeah, the, the Fastly outage would have showed up in there for sure. I'm, I'm sure it would. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if anybody's curious about what that looks like too, we can definitely get on, on a call and, and go through a, a demo and actually show what we caught. Um, and I know we have a blog and a, a vlog even, I think that c- kind of runs through that as well. So maybe we can, we can hand that out too. 
Yeah, we'll definitely be sure to include that. I mean, you know, the 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 whole point of of Thousand Eyes is really to just as it as it as the name implies to give a thousand eyes onto this onto the problem to understand that you know well I mean that's the thing when you when you're looking at a problem with one set of eyes you're looking at it from your perspective only you're you may be trained to look at it and see it a certain way that's why when my wife you know, yeah. sees that Facebook isn't loading she says the internet is down right and of course I look at it and I'm like no it's a BGP or yeah it's it's something totally different <laughs> so when when you have that information from you know, the Internet Insights gives you all the information from all those different uh, collections around the world, as well as being able to look within your own network and say, okay, uh, I'm good here, but I'm having a problem here. I'm doing this. It just gives you all those different points of view to help you very easily figure out what's going on so that you don't spend as yeah. much time troubleshooting. You, you put, up, put up that control set and you're able to very quickly figure out what's outside of that and be alerted to that. So. Uh, I think I think this is great. I'm I'm glad we did this again, Tom. I don't know if you have any, any other last questions before we start to wrap this one up, but uh, uh, I'll give it to you if you did. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, it, we we covered a ton. Um, it's a uh, it's a really cool product. I mean, Brian, I think you yeah. and I maybe need to get our lab set up with it. So when the wives <laughs> ask, "Hey, why is Facebook so slow yeah. today?" I I, I you need take a, a Raspberry Pi and hang yeah. it off your router. We can just you send them. Oh, don't worry. I've got send plenty us. of compute power back here, man. Oh, I, okay. I got everything you need back here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll throw out one thing because you, you mentioned the name Thousand Eyes. And um, this is this is the story I was told anyway. Is So uh, our founders were uh, in a PhD program. They were researchers. And they were researching okay. the, the internet. Um, and they both of them were, I think, were making their own tools. And one of them was called Cyclops. And... It, it had been brought up that <laughs> it had been brought up that um, um, you know this this could actually we we might actually have something here like what if this was a product that we could use and it actually like help identify outages and stuff and the other one I think says something to the tune well it, it'll need to have a name a thousand times better than Cyclops so a thousand a thousand eyes was born I guess oh my god I love that <laughs> I, I hope that's true I really I really hope that's true because that is that is awesome I yeah. I, I love those. We we did we've had one founder session on the podcast and it was it was great because they really talked about how they they came from absolutely nothing it was the fluid mesh guys actually it was it was two of the original founders and you know that's it, those are the kind of stories that you just you cannot get from anywhere else so oh yeah that is cool the origins yeah. of thousand eyes no be, you, you guys a thousand should, um, times better <laughs> yeah if if anybody's curious there's a uh, plenty of articles and stories on on their whole journey they went through. Um, like struggling to get funding, I think they ended up having to get like a, a grant from some like a like an education funding type thing. They couldn't get oh, wow. like um, so they got they got that. They had to like fish servers out of dumpsters or something. They, <laughs> they 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 did the whole like classic Silicon Valley. I started something in my garage story, and they look here they are now. So it uh, nice. it still happens, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. There's there's hope for us yet, Tom. There's hope for us yet. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, with, with that, I think we'll start to wrap this one up here. Um, usually we just go around and see if anyone has any, uh, final thoughts or closing arguments. Uh, Simon, any, anything else you want to, you want to add? Um, I mean, all, all I can say is, uh, just come, come check us out. I, I think we do some pretty cool stuff, you know, um, uh, I, from what I've seen, like we're, we're only expanding, like we're, we're expanding quickly as far as the, the reach and, and where we're going to have our agents available on and all this other stuff. Right. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff happening that uh, we can't talk about yet, but it's, it's, I would like, 
uh, when, when it makes my life easier, it, it I think it, it tends to be pretty good. Um, so I'll, I'll put it that way. But yeah, anybody's curious, just reach out. We're more than happy to, to kind of walk you through use cases or troubles if people are having um, like problems and they're like, hey, how can how can you guys help? More than happy to have that conversation too. But um, no, otherwise, thank you both. This was fun. Great. Glad glad, uh, glad you can come on. Tom, any uh, final thoughts? Um, no, like I said, I think it's a cool product. Um, and uh, just as our own show plug, YouTube channel's up. Like, comment, subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> like, comment, and subscribe. Um, yeah, definitely. So we will be sure to post show notes uh, to our, sorry, we'll be sure to post the links in the show notes to anything we talked about here. Um, also, I would highly s- uh, recommend that you talk to your account team. If this is something that you want to see in action, if you want to get a POC set up, um, I've only run a couple of these and they've been extremely powerful and the customers have been just amazed with the information they, they've been able to gather in such a short amount of time. So reach out to your account team, as we always say, to, to learn more and to get a demo, POV, stuff like that. We will, as, as Tom mentioned on the YouTube channel, we are kind of starting a spinoff here on the YouTube channel called ConfT Bits. And there'll be little product and feature demos that are the goal is to be 10 minutes or less. So real quick little things that you can easily consume and take a look at and get excited about. We're going to try to get Simon on to do one of those uh, or maybe two if there's two features we want to we want to show off here. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And of course, the best way to be on the lookout for that is too, is Tom's point, like, comment, and subscribe. Most important, smash that subscribe. like button. Smash, smash it. it. Smash it. Till smash it. <laughs> All right. With that, I think uh, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, thank you for listening. And as always, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config. Mm-hmm.